Welcome to the Views from the Sidelines podcast. My name is Austin Bagshaw. I'm an online nutrition and fitness coach. And my goal with this podcast is to provide as much value as possible while also opening up your mind to new ideas. I believe that your physical health is the foundation of your reality. I also believe that what you see, listen to, and surround yourself with daily are all equally important in the journey of becoming our best self possible. In this podcast, my guests and I will discuss past client situations, our own experiences in our fitness journey, what not to do, and some practical pieces of information that you can start applying today. Thank you for choosing to listen to what me and my guests have to say. Let's get started. And welcome back to the Views from the Sidelines podcast. Guys, exciting guest today. I'm going to do a little introduction of who Sunny Bain is because I feel like that's a really hard question to answer, but she sent me a list of things, so I'm going to go over it real quick. So Sunny Bain is a personal trainer located in Lexington, Kentucky. She's been training for almost four years now, and uh, she's also the co-owner of the Soul Collection, which is an apparel brand that uh, kind of just puts out really good positive messages like do the work, uh, talks about squatting, uh, just like really cool um, apparel. Um, her certifications are very extensive. Um, and I'm going to make sure I touch each one cause she's like, I'm very proud of this. <laughs> so certifications are exercise specialist and NASM CPT, NASM, uh, youth exercise specialist, a yoga teacher with, uh, 200 hours, a, a Reiki master, a FM exercise specialist and an FM certified online personal trainer. So we are in the presence of a very certified uh, human being who knows a lot. And it's, I'm really excited to dive into this podcast today. So currently, she's going through uh, the Sacred, Co- the sacred Co- Contract Self-Development Course, which will lead to being certified in this area. Um, she is dedicated to helping people holistically heal through fitness and wellness. Sunny's approach to training is different because she believes in the ahisma respect for all living things and avoidance of violence towards others. The gym environment can be a judgmental place and it's her mission to help people feel confident and supported. So they, so their health journey will be fulfilling and sustainable. Her philosophy is that all bodies are worthy of movement and movement comes in countless forms, which I, you guys know that I've really, really believed that as well. (laughs) She has experienced firsthand how movement can transform impact and change the trajectory of others lives and healing through exercise is her favorite thing to teach people and to teach to experience with her clients um and with that being said i think that was a great introduction welcome sunny thank you for having me today i appreciate it this is gonna be a lot of fun um guys sunny has been in my realm for the last year uh she is a very busy individual and i'm super excited to have her on to kind of give her a safe space to touch on her story um her healing journey her what she does every day and why she does it and just some other really cool topics that we're gonna kind of dive down yeah sure. Sound good? i'm so excited thank you for having me today i appreciate you having me on your podcast <laughs> yeah it's gonna be fun like we have this uh th- this is the first time i've had um everything with my rig in lexington like sunny's actually in in person today um which is a, just a cool energy to have and if you guys know me personally uh, you think i have energy you haven't met sunny and then imagine us both together it's kind of just a deadly deadly combo <laughs> But today, putting, putting two ADHD people together in one room, yeah, <laughs> and uh, and both passionate about the same things. So it's just it's 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 been a blessing in disguise to, to know Sunny, and I'm like we've been wanting to do this forever. So first thing we're going to talk about, Sunny, is 
what your favorite thing about being a trainer is and what are some things that you get to do every day that just like really just make you wake up? So what I love about my job is my clients, first of all. So like, I know most trainers probably say that, but like, no, no jokes. Like my clients are amazing. So I've built a relationship with these people over years. Um, I've actually been training for six years. I started my business, um, uh, over three years ago. So I'm almost four years in business. Um, so basically the people that I serve every day, just, I just enjoy it so much because like I look forward to looking or to seeing these people each week. Like I have one client that went on vacation a couple of weeks ago and I'm like, it's so weird, like not seeing her. So, um, that's really big for me waking up every day. And then also I really enjoy helping people and teaching. So my favorite thing to do is teach people. And what I really, really like to see is that light switch. And I mean, you know, this cause you're an online trainer. Yeah. So it's like when they start they're they're so like shaky and like maybe not confident, um, or they come in like really scared And then once they, once they like learn the movements for like 30 days, you just start to see a change and a transformation in people. And that's what I live for is like, and I do it with my, my clothing stuff too. Like I like to Mm -hmm. see things transform. And so helping people transform their bodies, not only externally, but internally is really exciting for me. Absolutely. And like what I touched on and where my brain went was the relationships you build while working with people. Um, obviously in person is different. You get to see them and be a part of their life and see that light switch. And, um, being an online trainer, you don't always get that, but you do, I do weekly check-ins and we do zoom calls and we talk all the time and it's working with someone month after month. And sometimes over years, you get to know the person, you get to know them in and out and you get to know their bad habits, their good habits. And like, it's fun to talk to people who are vibrating at the same energy level as you. And it's, so freaking cool to see somebody who you know was not vibrating that high and then month after month you start to see this shift in their facial structure um i see it all the time in progress photos and i know like you have a lot of people posture like posture posture straight in the that's what i like about project or uh, progress photos is like seeing how their posture changed so i stopped uh doing progress pictures and posting them just because that's a whole nother thing we can talk about but like basically i take them with my clients it's just for us to like Mm -hmm. look at um but their posture their skin like i have one if you go way down on like my instagram Mm -hmm. you can see uh this one woman that i trained and her skin we took the picture in the summer Mm -hmm. and then the second picture was in the winter and her skin just looks so like like rich where she was so malnourished before because yeah. she was six six one eating 1200 12 1250 calories yeah. a day yeah, and tough. then she would binge so we got her out of the binge cycle anyway she i got her up to like three thousand calories because she's so t- and she's just powerful like she's yep. all power and she like lost weight her skin looked better yep. she had so much muscle on her body and so like she was like i never knew i could eat this much food yeah and that's a completely other topic but um and that we probably shouldn't dive down right now just because we don't we don't want to be here for hours. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> but, we could be here for hours. <laughs> yes, but what, ah, oh man, like, so in just in progress photos, the like the excitement about them, mm-hmm. seeing progress in that once they like get that, oh my God, like moment, you see it in their face. They're, yeah, they're like, like pumped. I did they're flexing. Yeah. And like the best thing ever is for me is when I see someone like post progress photos and they're flexing. They're proud of it. Yeah. I'm like, if, if, if your goal with me if, if, if I'm working with you and your goal is to build muscle, I want you to flex in the progress photos. I don't, I can't see your muscle definition if you're just sitting there relaxed. Right. So it's, everybody's different, but it's cool to see that 
change in their face. Like they're like proud of themselves. Confidence. So it's like, confidence. And that's building. my goal. Yeah. My goal is to like build confidence. I work uh, predominantly with women. I, not that I don't work with men. I just get a lot more women. Um, I think that's pretty normal with yeah. trainers. Like men get men usually, but I work predominantly with women and my favorite, that's my other favorite thing is um, teaching women how to build confidence in the gym because you yeah. wouldn't, you wouldn't believe like how many women won't even walk into a gym because they're afraid a people are staring at them and um, they just have a lot of issues in the gym. So seeing a woman go up to like the dumbbell rack is like, and I'm like, and I'm over there like, I'm so excited. (laughs) Uh, So I had a, my, I trained my stepdaughter Mia and um, she started two and a half, two years ago. um, And I started training her at, at uh, UK's gym Mm -hmm. And she was just literally like almost had an anxiety attack just mm-hmm. going in there. Um, yep. I hope she doesn't mind that I share that. But basically the whole point of that is six, it was about six months later. She, I was like, Hey, we put these dumbbells away. And it was like a test, like to see if she would do it. Cause usually she would ask me to do that. Yeah. And she walked in front of all those college boys and girls. Yeah. And like, she went and put the dumbbells down and I was just like, she like, that was just such a big deal. And it seems so small and so micro, but that was like huge for her. And so like, that's why I started, if you go to my YouTube channel, it's just Sunny Bane on YouTube, but I have stories with my clients and like her story is actually on there, but I interview my clients because I believe in the stories, the intention with the stories is to inspire the world to move their body in their own way. So yeah. like, and it's just, I just, I wish I could do it with every client, but it's like them telling their story because I, as a trainer, I can tell you all day long, like you need to move your body. Movement is medicine. Like you say, you know, and movement is medicine, but not everybody wants to hear that from me. And I think that it, you inspire, like it's a ripple effect, right? So like when you aspire, inspire the world to move through other people, there is nothing better than a good story. Our evolution was based off stories. Mm -hmm. We our history is based off stories and we connect with our, with other people through stories. Absolutely. We reach out when they, you say something that hit to home and knowing that you experienced something makes much more people like makes makes it very easy for other people to say, oh, damn, me too, man. I feel that like that means something. And that's that's a really good topic. And like I, I like to touch on client wins, client like testimonials, like stories like where were you? I want to know where you were before you like came to me before we started training, before we started really starting to pick apart your life. And it's crazy to hear these people open up mm-hmm. about like struggling mentally. We're not eating for like, it, it's just scary to think that there's so many people out there who don't know about what we do or don't know about other alternatives. The impact, the impact, the of impact it, and it like, does. Honestly, like sometimes you got to wait years for that. So for example, one girl that I want to talk about, she was a client that I worked with from, I want to say 15 until mm-hmm. 17 and 18 until she went to college. Yeah. And she is, she's in college now. She's a freshman. Um, and she messaged me. Uh, and she, th- she was the client that like, I trained every day. She did her work, never complained, didn't really talk much cause she was a young kid. And then she messaged me and sent me like a, a message that was just like, almost took me to my knees because she was just like, Sonny, I just wanted to text you and say, thank you so much for everything that you taught me over the years. She said, I went into, the, she said, I'm not, she's not playing volleyball for the college, but she's playing on the club team. And she said, I'm doing all of the lifts and everything that you taught me. Like, and I have so much confidence in the gym. And like this girl was just not super confident. Bless you. (laughs) This girl was not super confident in the gym. She was, uh, but she, she worked really hard and she built those habits and now she's in college doing that. And I'm just like, that's what I tell everybody. I teach, I teach you how to fish. I don't fish for you. I'm that style of trainer. I don't, 
I don't believe in, in creating meal plans for you because then you're going to need me forever. And I want to disrupt the industry and in the way that I'm not, I don't want to, you to have to need me forever. I want to teach you the habits that you need to continue this lifestyle for the rest of your life. So like, I want you to be able to live for life. And if you want me to still train you, that's fine too. But I want you to have the confidence to do it on your own. Absolutely. That's really incredibly well said. And like, that should be every trainer's goal. That should be every online coach's goal is to get someone to a point and then go from there. But it's I, like, you, you have to say, I'll say this straight up. Not everybody's different. You, somebody's chapter three is not your chapter three. Like you have to be incredibly, incredibly analytical of where you are, all the details, where you are mentally. Are you struggling with past traumas? Are you ready to open up to try new things? Are you ready to like try new hobbies, like uh, all of these habits that trainers or coaches will give you all of these things that are different. Like you saying, you don't do meal plans. I don't do meal plans either because I don't want to hold your hand. I want you to, um, I might give you a macronutrient regimen. You figure that out. Mm-hmm. Well, and some people and make it they work can't, for you, mm-hmm. like make that work for you versus me saying, Hey, this is what you eat because this is healthy. That can create a negative loop in your head thinking that's that there's healthy and non-healthy and this you you avoid it and it can actually lead to like restriction and that's what i want to avoid that i want you to enjoy foods and yes obviously eat the rainbow try all these new colors try juices try these things that are really healing from the inside out but you were human and typically really healthy foods don't have enough calories what's the issue with a lot of people who are not seeing results they're not eating enough calories that's so true. And that's what I, I work with a lot of people that have eating disorders. Yeah. And so it's been, it was a struggle for me in the very beginning. So I actually am connected to a local um, therapist that nice. works only with people with eating disorders. Cool. So she's helped me kind of structure about how to speak to people. So like, if there's any trainers here, one of the worst things that you can say to your client is when, if they have a severe eating disorder is like, oh my God, you've lost so much weight. You look so good. Because that's why are we focusing on just their body and not what the body can do? do? Because that can spiral them. Like those words are so weighted and heavy. Mm-hmm. And in the sense that you you might not, you're complimenting them. Whereas that can put somebody, and I'm talking severe eating disorders, yeah. severe body dysmorphia. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I'm not saying like, don't, you don't have to tread, you know, stumble around your words with them, but it is be very mindful as a trainer because your impact that you have on these people every day matters. And I've talked to some trainers that in the past, like, or known some trainers that, and I just, I, I disagree with it is where you want your people to need you. So they don't even give them programming. They won't give them programming. They won't give them anything because they're like, well, then you're not going to need me anymore. And I have a complete opposite mindset on that is I don't want you to need me forever. I want you to train with me six months to a year, do the, do a package, learn and all that. And it's just with the eating disorders, I think, you know, with, for me, if I'm going to put myself in a bucket, it would be more towards, I'm moving more towards body neutrality, mm-hmm. um, which I'm also learning about. So, uh, I, I just don't think that we should just focus on like what we look like all the time. Cause 100%. it's so much, it's so much deeper than that. hundred percent. And like I tell people all the time, I'm not a weight loss coach. I want you to <laughs> build a foundation in the gym, get good with exercise and find homeostasis. And once you're at a good spot with your homeostasis, then make the move. If you want to build more muscle, we're going to eat more. If you want to actually, if you're in a good spot where you can actually lose some, let's, let's go into a structured diet, structured calorie deficit that actually like still like fills you up and you're still eating daily. And you're not like saying, I can only have one thing. I can't have this. It's like, no, let's just get good and consistent with our habits around food throughout that time. For sure. So I guess I'm going to ask you a question, even though you are the questioner. Do it. Uh, so what do you do with your clients that have maybe something like an eating disorder that like they're, ter- they can't count cal- their, their therapist has told you don't make them count calories. Mm-hmm. 
What do you do with that person? Um, so this is, this is something that I'm working on currently. Um, I do have a couple of clients who don't, doesn't want to track, um, because they're afraid of that. And as a coach, I want to say, well, why are you afraid of it? It makes me want to be almost a therapist where I have to like cut myself off. Yeah, like, like okay, stay in your lane, <laughs> stay in my lane. You have to work with a medical, like a, a professional who knows what they're doing with that. So I have to cut like step back and say, okay, so what will you do? And ask them that. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a good what question. Will, to ask, yeah. What will you do with your? Food? How can we track your success? How how can we find things here and there that allow me to see that I know that you're doing them? Um, habit trackers are awesome um, through our app. That's really helpful to see. Like for instance, portion control. Portion control is a big one, um, especially for people who maybe don't like technology um, and like do, doesn't want to track. I am on the team. I think everybody should at least track their food for at least three, three months. And when I say everybody take that with a grain of salt, people who are wanting to learn people who are ready to like understand what they're putting in their body. So they can get more intuitive about it. But when it comes to someone who's not ready for that or like is not willing to, I either say this, Hey, we're going to have protein with each meal. And I want it to be a fistful, a fistful of protein. Um, I want us to balance our meals typically so we can keep a balanced macronutrient regimen with a little bit more carbs, higher protein, lower fat, just to moderate everything. And overall, just water, water intake and balancing meals. And it just depends. That's what I do too. And I was just curious, like from trainer to trainer, like how do you do that? And then I also believe in like not uh, meeting people where they are. So, and it sounds like that's what you're. Yeah. And that's what like I'm big on. Like in my initial call, I got to find out where they are. I got to see five days of tracking before I can say, Hey, this is where your metabolism is. You can't just give me your height, weight, age, sex, and right. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be a website. I'd be coding. I'd be algor- I'd, be, I'd be a little algorithm to find out that out. Yes, I think about that and I take that into play. But if someone's a six foot male who's a 200, 220 pounds and they're eating fifteen hundred calories a day, and then what is their like if they're eating fifteen hundred calories a day? But my fitness pal is telling them to eat two thousand to lose weight. They're actually in a surplus because their body it's metabolic adaptation. They have to realize where they are right now is not there because they've been in a sympathetic response system that's made their cortisol really high, inflammation markers high, they digest food slowly typically, and all of these things are happening to to you. If you eat this, your body adapts so it can live and survive and not just be in that chronic state of stress. So it's going to adapt and you have to slowly refeed yourself. You have to slowly add calories and add Add and change over time. Like I always tell people, just crank that dial. Okay. Is it easy now? Okay. Crank the dial. Oh, you're hungrier. Okay. Crank the dial. Keep going up until, and obviously adding that with movement, increasing movement and exercise um, weekly. Like that's incredibly important. Um, So did that kind of answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I just, I love hearing what other trainers have to say. Um, And I think that that's, you and I are just very aligned in that way. Um, I want to get people strong. Yeah, me too. I just want to, that's, that's my, and I, it's always, Everybody's like, you need to pick a niche. You need to pick a niche. And I'm like, I work with so many types of people mm-hmm. and it's, it's hard. just, but, but my main thing is I teach strength. I teach people how to get stronger. And I start honestly with calisthenics. I start yeah. with body weight exercises and then move them up to weight training. Of course. Or if they're weight training, they're doing very lightweight and higher reps. Stuff yeah. like that. So anyway. And, and that's just a good like thing to think about as well. Like, like, not, like nothing is for everybody. Like I'm not going to program someone who's severely overweight to do pull-ups. No, of course, no yes. need to do that. Right. Like there's nothing, there's no point of that. They can get so much through low impact machines, cables, like in free weights, like mm-hmm. they're going to get way more out of that, mm-hmm. um, versus having six bands on a bar and trying to get them to do that. Right. It's, it's way more work. So you also got to meet people with where they're at when it comes to their, their weight, their training, ugh, history of training, what they like. 
big one. Um, how many trainers actually ask, Hey, are you having fun? Like, is this, are you enjoying these training sessions? Like, is this a fun time for you? Do you actually like dread coming here or do you, are you like finding new things and like enjoying the process? I have to ask that all the time. Are you having fun in your workouts? Like, are you seeing progress in noticing strength changing and checking yourself out in the mirror every now and then flexing in the mirror in the bathroom? Like, are you doing these things? And they're like, yeah, awesome. If that's not a hundred percent. Yes. If that's like, Oh, I mean like this one sucks. I really don't like doing that. It kind of messes my shoulder up. Tell me. Like, okay, awesome. I'm getting rid of that and I'm putting in something lower impact that'll not hurt as much. So I think it's just, it just being a trainer and being a coach and just in general, meeting your client with where they're at, nobody is perfect. Nobody's perfect. And nobody is in the exact same position as their friend, as their coworker, as the other person who magically lost 10 pounds and you think you have to copy them. Like you have to figure out what you like food wise, you have to figure out where you're at. How, what are you eating a day? What's your sleep wake cycle? Do you have one? What is a sleep wake cycle? Austin, if you're asking that question, um, look it up. <laughs> it's pretty much just getting consistently get, going to get bed. A whoop strap. Yes. Go, going that. to bed at a, at about a, the same 30 minutes every night. Um, and waking up at, at around the same time, your circadian rhythm will be more in tune. And if your circadian rhythm is more in tune, you can be more in that parasympathetic state. You can get more deep sleep, which recovers better. And then you can train harder. So sleep wake is really incredibly important. Um, and we'll, I'm, I'm going to kind of move things back to the topic of discussion, which is our guest, Sunny Bain. Um, and I want her to go into, so she has a really extensive history. Uh, she's actually in the, uh, she used to be an exercise rider for horses. Um, she's, uh, so she's really, she knows a lot about horses. She grew up with them. Um, did you ever show or race or, or anything like that? Yeah. So, um, I started riding horses when I was 10. And when I say riding, I got bucked off a lot because I rode, uh, Shetland ponies. And if anybody knows anything about horses, they're wild. Um, so I started riding Shetland ponies and then I got a racking horse when I was 12. Mm -hmm. Um, so racking is just so you can look it up, but racking horses and it's like really smooth. Like it's the really pretty where they move, you know what I mean? Perfectly. Um, so I used to ride speed racking horses and do shows. And my favorite class was a speed racking class, which makes sense after what I did, because what I did. So you go like really fast racking. And then, um, after that I used to ride well during that time I would ride quarter horses and did some barrel racing. Um, and then after that I went to school, played softball in college, ended up moving back to Lexington, going to college, different places. Um, and then landed at the racetrack because one of my coworkers said that their dad was a horse trainer at, um, at the thoroughbred training center. So I went there and I went out and I was like, Oh my God, I really want to ride. And the trainer put me on a racehorse without a license. So you have to be licensed to gallop racehorses. Like that's not, not cool that. no, I didn't know <laughs> because that. racehorses are crazy. like, well, they're, they're, fast. they're, they're so fit. So yeah. they have so much energy. They're so fit. And so they have so much energy. This horse, and if you knew, if you do about horses, if anybody's listening that knows, that rides racehorses, the horse is going to be in a race two days later. And so he takes me out to the backfield. He didn't take me to the track. And he was like, yeah, just gallop her around two, ra- two loops around this field. And I'm like, hell yeah. And so I get Did on the horse. Did you know it was a racehorse? No, I knew it was a, I knew it was a racehorse. I okay. had never ridden in a racehorse saddle. I didn't oh, have the right shoes on. Okay, gotcha. I borrowed a helmet, like all the stuff. They were like, yeah, here you go. And so puts puts me on this horse and I breezed the horse. So I went as fast as breezing, like as fast okay. as I go on the race twice around. I thought it was great. It was so fun. Fun, yeah. And then, so this horse, he was, you're not supposed to like just stop a racehorse after that. Okay. Like you jog them, then you walk them mm-hmm. and then you don't want to like just stop. But I'm used to riding like backyard horses, yeah, you so know? Yeah, like stop. So I just, stopped, I just yeah. stopped it. I stopped yeah. the horse. And then he was like, no. And I hear the trainer go, 
no, don't. And then the horse just started rearing up and he rode up like it was over at a lost count after like 10 times. And then Chris McCarron used to be over the North American Ra- Racing Academy and he comes out with his jockey students and he thought I was uh, this, the woman that the helmet that I had on. And so the horse is rearing up and he goes, he's like, he's like, ride him, ride him. And he, cause he thought I was her. And then I finally somehow by the grace of God, get this horse to walk back to the barn. I didn't think anything of it yeah. because I used to ride like wild horses and then get back to the barn and Chris McCarron, uh, do you know who Chris McCarron is? I've heard of that name. Yeah, but so no, he's I'm a not, very, very okay. famous, okay. very, very famous jockey. Um, he's awesome. But anyway, he was like, where did you learn to ride like that? And I was just like, you know, in my backyard. Um, so anyway, it's just really funny kind of looking back on that experience and like how dangerous it actually was. And like, I got out of it clean. Like yeah. I didn't get, I didn't come off the horse. The horse was fine. The horse ran a race two days later and I think she got like second or something. Okay. Um, so she, because usually you wouldn't obviously breed, breeze, breeze a horse two days before the race, but yeah. that's just how it happened. And I was having a good time, you know, yeah, like you out just going as fast yeah, as she would go. I thought it was sweet. so fun. Um, so anyway, that's kind of how I got in the horse industry, the racehorse industry, um, ended up getting my, I went to, so NARA, which used to be the North American racing okay. Academy. Now it's rebranded to BCTC equine. Okay. Um, they are still out there and Dixie Hayes is over, or excuse me, Dixie Kendall. She got married. My bad, Dixie, if you listen to this, uh, Dixie is over everything. Like she's a, the coordinator. Um, okay. she's an amazing person. So I'm working with her now to develop uh, a fitness program for the jockey, right, excuse me, uh, riding students. So it's not That's just jockeys. Cool. Yeah. So basically really cool. they only accept six every year. Yeah. Um, and she's doing a phenomenal job with these kids because she's not only just focusing on the jockeys if they want to be exercise riders mm-hmm. and it all is based on your weight. So you that have sense. to be, if you're going to be a bug rider as a jockey, you need to weigh, you need to be about 105, mm-hmm. 108, maybe 108 pounds, um, because you weigh in with your clothes on and your boots and like everything. Okay. So, um, anyway, my whole point of that is that the, I'm helping develop a fitness program now, which is kind of full circle. Yeah. So fun. So, um, yeah. your, your original question was about my injuries. Yeah. Correct? Cause I know you got bucked off a horse and you had a lot of issues with that. And I, I was just curious on your comeback of, cause like, I mean, I've dealt with injuries, but nothing that that serious, but I know that you had some pretty serious injuries and to know like guys, we just trained with some muscle ups today. Like she's strong. Um, so like seeing you now from there, kind of talk about that journey, like sure, coming okay. back from, from being at bottom. Okay. So correction, the horse fell on me. Okay, I did go. not fall off the horse. No, I'm just kidding. I said I was bucked off earlier. So I've had a lot of injuries. I'll start. So when I was 12, I had a horse uh, kick me in the head and, uh, I don't know if it broke my jaw because I refused to go to the doctor. I was a very stubborn kid and, but my whole face was black on the left side or right side, whichever side doesn't matter. So then that happened. And then when I was, you know, just learning how to ride, you get bucked off a lot. And I rode, I mean, I used to just gallop my little pony everywhere. So stuff like that. But that was my first big one. And then the next one, I was 14 and I was at a horse show and, um, at a a racking horse show down in uh, Southern Kentucky. I don't know if anybody knows where Strunk McQuarrie County is, but it's in the middle of nowhere. And the horse, um, reared up. He was a a stallion. I was a 14 year old, not supposed to be riding a stallion Mm -hmm. at a horse show. So that was the big, you know, a lot of horse error, stuff here horseman errors so the horse saw philly and then he reared up and i taught him how to rear up because i wanted to be a trick rider yeah and i had i trained him in a western saddle but i someone talked to me into wearing an english saddle for the speed racking class oh. and so i wore i had like really slick pants on um because i grew up pretty poor so we didn't have okay. like like 
I didn't get like lessons or like have like I wore like dress pants that you wear to church, which you should not do. (laughs) Don't recommend. So anyway, they so I just like wore those. And so anyway, he rode up and he flipped. So I curled up in a ball on my right side and he slammed down on me and broke my pelvic tailbone. My ribs were just bruised. They weren't broken, um, but they were like bone bruised. Um, And then my right shoulder, it's dislocated. I dislocated that and separated. So tore all the ligaments and tendons. And then it hit his head hit my head and it cut the let my left ear open. And so blood was going in my head. And so the, and then I couldn't move. So basically he flipped over on top of, so he like reared up on his hind legs yeah. and then flipped on top of me. And then I just remember rolling over on my back and then I couldn't move. So the call that my mom got was my, my best friend, Brenna, uh, she called my mom and said like in hysterics and she's like, Sonny's head is bleeding and she can't move. Like we're going to Somerset hospital and like just hung up the phone. Cause she was like sobbing. Yeah. And then, so my mom thought that I was dead. Yeah. And so she, she rushes to the hospital, my dad and my whole family rush to the hospital and, uh, get to the hospital. Long story short, that was awful. The, if the EMT, if I could ever see him again, he was an angel. He got me to stop screaming my head off mm-hmm. and get to the hospital and then go into the hospital and they told me that I broke my, um, the, all the stuff that I listed, but they said that my femur was broken, which everybody, they said that that was That's crushed. That's the hardest thing to break. Yeah. Yes. And so the doctor was like, you know, she's, you're, you're gonna have to learn how to walk again. You're gonna have to do this, that, whatever. So I was like, really, I'm very spiritual. Um, not, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm religious, but I'm very spiritual. Um, but at that time I was going to a church mm-hmm. and like everybody from the church came in because like I said, everybody thought I was dead. Yeah. And so the preacher, uh, pastor Mike, he came and he put his hands like on my, my thigh Yeah. and he just started praying. And then all these people started praying. And my, my family told me that it like filled up the whole room. Cause I was on morphine. So I was like really, yeah, high. you have no idea what's going on. Yeah. And so like, then he, I remember, I just remember he had his hands on my leg. Uh, Cause that was the biggest thing. Cause they said it was crushed. So they're gonna have to put like a rod and built whatever. And so, um, so the whole point of that was he, they said they were gonna have to fly me to UK cause they couldn't do the surgery there. So they were like, well, let's pray over before she goes. And so then everybody from the church showed up. They said they were like out the front door. Yeah. Like everybody was, you know how they lay their hands on each other. So then I'm flying to UK hospital in Lexington, Kentucky and get to the hospital and then they re-x-ray you. And if you've ever broken a lot of things, it's like the x-ray is the worst. Cause it's like this table right here, like laying you on this table when your whole body's like broken. Yep. And so I'm laying there and screaming bloody murder, awful. They re-x-ray me and then- Finally, I get a room like I was in the ER for like a day and a half and they finally get me a room and the doctor comes in and he was like, so a weird thing happened, which I'm sure I can get these x-rays because I would be so interested to look at it. So he puts the x-rays like up on the wall and he had the x-rays from Somerset and then he had the x-rays from Lexington and he was like, so your femur bone isn't like broken. Like there's not, I don't know what happened, but like, here's your x-rays from Somerset Here's your x-rays here. There was literally nothing. Was no, it obviously broken in Somerset? Yeah, it was crushed. There was like multiple pieces. Like you could see it like, 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 um, not out of, it wasn't like, what is the break yeah. called? Um, the out of skin break. Oh my God. Wow. What is you know, it? like when you break a bone where you, yeah. where it comes out of your skin. Oh, a compound fracture. Com- thank you. Jesus. Yeah. A compound fracture. So it wasn't that, but they were like, you it was like broken in multiple places. Bre- yeah. yeah. That's why they flew me to UK. Yeah. That makes sense. So okay. they were like, if I had the injuries that I had, I would have stayed in Somerset. Yeah. There's no point in helicoptering me out. So I was like, well, what is it? He was like, I don't know. Like, but 
thankfully that's not broken. And he said, so the only thing that's broken is your pelvic and your tailbone. And I was like, doc, and I'm like 14. I'm like, look, I know you're the professional, you're the doctor, but you're wrong. My, sh- I said, my, that doesn't even hurt. I said, my shoulder hurts so bad. I said, my, my neck, I was like in a neck brace and I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't move. And so they, he was like, okay, well, let's get an MRI. So they put me, which why they didn't do that in the first place. I don't know. Um, and so they gave me an MRI and a CAT scan on my head, I think on, on the CAT scan, but yeah. they did an MRI and then my shoulder was, di- I'll let you like feel it later, but yeah. it's like concaved in so uh-huh. that the shoulder was dislocated, tore all the ligaments and tendons. He was like, yeah, so <laughs> everything's torn on your shoulder, but the good news about all of your injuries is they're self-healing. So he said, we're going to put you in a sling. We're going to put you in a neck brace and you're going to be in a wheelchair. He said, you're, this was September around September 1st when I was 14, I was born in 1990. You can do the math. Gotcha. So my birthday is October 15th. And he said, you're, you're going to start the walking process in January. Probably mm. we'll just have to see how quickly you heal. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, look, as a doc, I, that's not gonna, my birthday is October 15th and I'm walking on my birthday. Yeah. Like you got 45 days to fix this. And yeah. he, he just laughed at me, you know, it was a big joke. Um, so then on, I was in a wheelchair for 30 days, a little over 30 days. And then I was in cr- on crutches. And then on my birthday, October 15th, I was walking. That's so cool. And so like, I mean, I wasn't like jumping. Yeah, don't get but me wrong. You, you could move. But yes, I okay. could move. And so it was like, I remember like when I was in the wheelchair, I was like all, cause I went to school, like I was homeschooled for a bit. And I was like, I want to go back to school. So I used to like race my friend that was also like yep. in a wheelchair that I grew up with. And I was like, and we would like race down the hallways and I had, I had so much fun. Like, it sounds really weird, but like I learned how to do like wheelies in a wheelchair and like, it's just, it was fun. So you kind of made the best out of it. I did. I did. Yeah. And that's just, and it was not, not now, like looking back, I'm like, wow, that was, that's pretty amazing. But like in the moment it was just, it Sucks. just was, Yeah. no, I didn't. I was just like, this is, you know, it's just, it just is for me. And so then the wheel, cool. the wheelchair, uh, so I was walking on my birthday, which was awesome. And I was super pumped about it. And he was like, you're just healing like really fast. Like, what are you doing? And I sat in my wheelchair and I was like, I'm going to run again. I, I would tell myself every day, I can't wait to run again. I can't wait to run again. Manifesting it the entire time. Yeah. Like, it's and so now cool. I know what manifesting yeah. is. So I'm like, that's what happened. And that's why I healed because of the attitude. So like mm-hmm. it, it, the people that I work with, I work with a lot of people who've had injuries. It's the attitude that you have mm-hmm. during the in- injury. Cause if you're like, oh, well this hurts. And subconsciously you're constantly thinking about what they're telling you, what the doctors told you, because nobody, the timeline is yours. Now that's not for every situation for my situation. That was my timeline. I said in the moment and my mom, we all like laugh about, they laughed about it because I was like, nah, I'm walking on my birthday. Like yep. that's what you say, but that's not what's going to happen. Um, so that happened. And then moving forward. Da, 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 yeah. Like, safe. so kind of like fast forward to the, your, when you started training, um, and kind of like what some like obstacles you had say with your shoulder or with your pelvis, like, it, was there things that like took you a while to be able to do? Yeah. So I didn't start working out until I was, so I didn't get any PT for that. Mm-hmm. So I didn't start working out until I was 24, I believe when I moved to Ocala, Florida to Gallup down there and I hired a personal trainer. Her name's Crystal. She's the most absolute amazing person in the world. <laughs> so she taught me like, and I mean, I, I have pictures like when I started with her and like, then after I remember, I remember the moment it was 45 days later and I hated working out. I hated. I was like, this is so stupid. Like God. Yeah. And then, and I saw that picture, and it changed everything for me. Like I was like, I was like, wow. Like I can, I can change my body. But she helped me like do a lot of rehab stuff, and like, because I had never had PT, so my shoulder always hurt me. 
um, like was just always nagging like aching, nag- yeah. always like aching. And so I, I realized the more that I started working out that that pain started to lessen. Then my friend um, at the time, he told me about a book called Becoming a Supple Leopard. Yeah. So that book is really good. If you have any injuries, highly recommend you get it. But basically it tells you if you have this injury, this is how you rehab it. Um, and you'll put these like in the show notes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I'm going to link this book in the show notes, guys. Cool. Uh, so Becoming a Supple Leopard. So that book saved my life because I did like PVC pipe pass-throughs. That taught me, that led me into Christopher Summers, who is... Um, He's the over the gymnastics body, which is the national gymnastics team yeah. uh, coach. And so that really helped me getting back to full range of motion. And then I started to realize like, and this is before I ever started training. This is like when I was just working out with a trainer. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like I can fix my body. And so I kind of looked at my body as like a science experiment and I was like, oh, well this hurts. I'm going to do this. Um, so then I had a few more injuries uh, um, I went to Saratoga, New York after that and galloped up for Bill Mott. He's also a really, he's a hall of fame trainer. Awesome trainer. Literally like I do as, as a, I train humans now, but I train humans like he used to train horses. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I can't even say enough about Bill Mott, but, uh, you should look him up later. So he, he trains cigar. Quick and, random question. Yeah. What does a horse trainer do? <laughs> That's a great question because most people are like, "What? Like, do they train the? Do they build the workout programs? Like, yeah. like I want to know, yeah. like, what is it kind of like what we do for humans, but for horses? Yeah, like so, like you're everything. Well, they can only trot, canter, and walk, yeah. but yeah, yeah. true, <laughs> and food. They're, so it's, wait, it's very simple. Wait, they can't do a muscle. Up. They cannot do a muscle up. They Shit. cannot do a backflip. Unfortunately, they can do a front flip, which is my next injury. <laughs> I was going to tell you about. Uh, but see your board here, how you have yeah. it. Like, so it's like that. So when you walk in for training, so the trainer is, but the thing about horse, horse training is if you have the title of a trainer, your license and that horse is in your full care. So say my assistant trainer messes something up or gives a horse a medication that they're not supposed to have. Um, but the trainer didn't know anything about it. Liabilities on the trainer, the liabilities on the trainer and the trainer loses their license or they get fined for that or what, you know, slap on the wrist. The assistant like doped, doped it without the trainer knowing. Yep, It's the trainer's fault. It's not the assistant's fault. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough game and it's, it's really, really hard. And it's really sad when you hear some trainers, cause there are some trainers you're like, you know, that they're doing something they're, they have a little cocktail for their horses. Yeah. Um, like what, what was the one that won the Derby this last Medina spirit? Yeah. 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 So yeah. that's, that's super controversial. And I would just say to that is like, you know, the trainer is responsible. Like yeah. at the end of the day, like you can say all day, you didn't know it, but that's still your responsibility and yeah. it's still your responsibility to take responsibility for that. Yep. Um, and if you've had multiple infractions, like there's, that's a big red flag. Yeah. Um, but that was just this, that was super unfortunate, unfortunate about that. But, um, there are horses that, um, anyway, back to the, the, the racehorse training, it's, yes. it's really cool. Like they, you go in and it's just basically they, as the exercise rider, the trainer goes to us because mm-hmm. we're the ones actually riding the horse yeah. and Bill would be like, okay, Sonny. So you have like 10 riders lined up at the track. And he makes us all stand in. So what that means is you walk onto the track and you stand them in. And what's really nice about that is you teach your horse patience. Um, whereas some people like they'll just have their horses go out on the track and start and, and the riders just start galloping and the horse is all crazy eyes and getting pumped up. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, they don't have any, like they just give them time to like breathe and take in, take in what's going on, like reduce anxiety because their cortisol levels are so high anyway, because it's such a, it's, I mean, it's, it's a really intense scenario yeah. that they're in. So Bill has a stand in and then he would say, like, say, if you're a rider, he'd say, okay, Austin, you're going to take your horse uh, a mile and a half today, gal- just just a steady gallop. 
Do they track that on like a certain like fitness watch? You, so what I would like do the, in the gym, yeah. I would, you have to learn a clock in your head because you can't, you can't be like, you can look down, but like I wasn't that type of rider. So I have a clock in my head. Okay. So I would do sprints on the treadmill and I would do like a 20 second sprint and then a one minute like jog or walk. So I would count as I was sprinting because you want it to be, you want to put your body as a rider in a scenario that is like, cause you could do it. If I'm, if I have you count here and do that, that's easy. Yeah. But do it when your heart rate's 160 mile, uh, 160 beats per minute. You know, I mean, that's tough. tough. Yep. So I would count, I would be like one, yeah. two. Yeah. And I would count the whole time. And so I would know I would, I wouldn't even look at the clock and then I would hit stop on the clock and, and make sure that I had a clock. So when you breeze, you have to know like each furlong you want to go like, say if you're galloping, um, so there's eight furlongs in a mile. Okay. Um, if you're, if the trainer tells you to breeze race, racing speeds is like 12s, which is 12 seconds per furlong. Okay. Um, you can do the math on that, but that's a two minute. That's, that's like, uh, uh, for like a mile, you know, you would, you, you don't usually breeze them for a mile. You'll breeze them for half. Mm-hmm. That's what's really interesting about training too, is like you rarely ever breeze them a mile. Like he would always breeze four, four or five furlongs if you had a really tough one. And then when you have one that's, that's blowing twelves all the way around, they're ready for a race and the trainer knows that. So they watch them. So they watch them gallop and they'll tell you today you're galloping. So you gallop. Usually it's like breeze day, off day, jog, gallop, 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 gallop. And each gallop gets a little bit stronger, faster. And then you breeze. So they breeze like every seven, eight, nine days. It just depends on the trainer and their style of training. Very curious. Do you know how much the, the average race horse eats calorie wise a day? Oh my God. Well, they don't do it in calories. We do it in like cups or like, you know yeah, I, mean? I know, but have yeah, you ever like a uh, lot? Uh, they eat over, so what would much. you say? God, five, 6,000. They, yeah, at least, at, at least. least. Yeah. Is it mostly it's grain? Lot. Yeah. So it's like grain, oats. Yep. Um, some people do old school and they bake, they have this hey big guys, it's carbohydrates. <laughs> They eat all car. They eat all plants, all carbs, and they're beasts, man. Yeah. Like their horses are horses are amazing. And then hay and alfalfa. But so, they, do they not eat protein at all? No, but there's protein in that in the stuff. Grains, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's, like there's protein. Yeah, so that's what a lot of people. They're like, it's so funny because I tell people like, you technically can get the amount of protein that you need in plants because eat so much though. Yeah, no, not really though, because what yeah. happens is your body digests uh, protein, plant protein, differently than meat protein. Yes. So meat protein, your body might only absorb 40% of that, Mm -hmm. depending on your digestive system. But plant-based, you typically will absorb and utilize that protein in a different way. So it can be Um, a little bit more more efficient. So I eat a lot less protein. So you saw me today. You Mm -hmm. said I'm strong, this, that. I eat maybe 50 grams of protein a day, 60, sometimes 80 on a higher day Mm -hmm. um, if I'm lifting pretty heavy. But it's like I eat a lot of plants and I drink a lot of juice. And so it's kind of – it's it's a weird – like when you look into plant-based diets, you'll be like, oh, I didn't know. But like – the protein, it's just really interesting. You should, you should look yeah. into more, more of that, but I yeah, do a of lot of plant-based with people, um, and less meat, but they don't have to, it's up to them. I'm like, do you eat meat? You know, if, if my clients, and then I'll talk to them about a plant-based diet. Cause I know so. it's not for everybody. And I think vegan just turns people off. Yeah. hundred percent. You know what I mean? Like it, you're like, Oh, that's way too hard. But literally you're either eating something that you can pick up, pick from the ground, pick from a bush, pick from a tree or yeah. kill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, not kill with, the <laughs> but like, <laughs> I take that back. Uh, but you know what I mean? Doesn't like have whole, eyes. I just yeah. focus on whole foods, like, mm-hmm. like what is whole and less processed food. Yeah, absolutely. And something that I like am a fan of is convenience. Mm-hmm. And for instance, like it's, it, I don't have time. Like when I say I don't have time, I don't make the time to eat all day. So when I do eat, I want it to be quick. I want it to be pretty, 
efficient and be done. Mm. Like eating more is more of a chore for me than it is like I, I, I get excited for dinner and breakfast, but lunch when I'm working and I'm like, that can be a nuisance to me. So like I'm big on like Kevin's chicken, things that like I can just throw on a skillet, eat, throw it. I, I, I might, I, I like have a bunch of rice ready to go, throw it in a skillet, make, I can do it's fried. Super smart. Yeah. And like, that's why you try to get your clients to do that too. Like yes, do it in bulk, man. Do it in bulk. So you have access to it. It's convenience. If you're not, if you're not making your path of resistance really easy, like if you're creating that least path of resistance, you will be more likely to do it. If you're saying, Hey, Oh, I got to cook all these uh, vegetables and I got to do all this stuff. Like you're setting yourself up. for failure. That's why I eat so much raw, raw uh, vegetables and fruits because mm-hmm. people are like, why do you do that? And I'm like, well, first of all, I like it better that way. But second of all, it's easy. Like I eat, I eat bell peppers like an apple dude. We- like, <laughs> like literally and everybody. And when I do it, people are like, what are you doing? And yeah, I'm like, it's, it's so, you know what? It's so much easier. I'm not, I didn't take time to cut this up. All yep. I had to do is wash it and take the sticker off. Yep. Like it's amazing. <laughs> and like, for instance, like we didn't grow, we didn't evolve from having air fryers. Like we didn't have air fryers back in the day. Like, but it is nice. (laughs) Yeah, super nice. Big fan of air fryers. But no, like that's like raw stuff is not going to kill you. And like, yes, it's not the best tasting. And we're we're very spoiled with like how I grew up in a in a a very small town. Like there wasn't a whole lot of options, Mm so you got what tasted good Mm -hmm. always. Um, Well, that's how you're trained back in the generation before us. Like you get what's like quick and easy, and and you know, and health is designed for people like people believe that health is designed for people with money, but that's not true. It's not because you're spending money on, yeah, you're spending money either on doctors or food. You can make your choice. I I don't, and God, I should knock on wood when I say this, but I don't go to the doctor unless I (laughs) break something and a horse falls on me. Uh, But I just don't, it's very rare. I I have to be really, really sick. Like I don't even have, people are like my family doctor. I'm like, I don't even know like what that is, but that's because I take care of my immune system. Now, do I get sick? Yes. But am I going to get over that sickness quicker than the average person? Yes. Because of the mindset and the attitude towards sickness. Yes. It's you're preparing your body for sickness. Like you're getting it. So it's like, it's, it's like having a army with a ton of weapons. Like you have this built, you are taking your supplements, you are doing greens, you are doing these things, eating fruits and vegetables. You're, you're creating a body that's in homeostasis. So when it's in a homeostasis, it's not fighting off your, other things it can actually fight off what it needs to fight off right and and then like i always tell as soon as i start to feel a scratchy throat at all and i'll i'll tell you all this right now i do a ginger tea mm-hmm. when you boil ginger you cut it you cut it up do about an inch if you want it really spicy do a little bit more boil it because that releases the healing property of the root and then you do a half a lemon couple tablespoons of honey, local honey, because that's going to help with your allergies and yeah. stuff. I swear if you do that and you feel sick, it'll be gone. And I, oh, and I do tea, like a ginger, uh, a ginger lemon tea um, with it. And you just drink that two times, three times a day for a few days, you're done. Like <laughs> See, you won't be sick at all. Uh, have you seen Ted, Ted Lasso? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, so I'm, a sweet show. I'm on his tide. Tea is just dirty water. <laughs> oh, me too. No, hate me too, tea. dude. No, I but hate If I'm tea. sick, I'll do anything. <laughs> no, no, no. But I hate tea. That, but this is good. If you do like a, it's ginger lemon tea bags. Ginger lemon tea ginger bags. Ginger lemon tea That's bags. That's the only tea that I drink. I do not like tea. I'm not, but I do it hot. And when your throat hurts or hot. like if you've yeah, talked I on the podcast that, a lot, yeah. it helps uh, clean, clean your throat out. Mm-hmm. The local honey, all it's. 100% you can do that, but it's like, would you rather do that or take an antibiotic? Yeah, and then the antibiotic destroys, destroys your, your, yeah, destroys your gut health. Microbiome like, is, ho- and like, that's what, it, like where I'm from and like a lot of people I know, like they're big on like, oh, well, I'll, I'll just go get a Z pack. I'll be fine. I'm like, dude. You're, you're screwed for a year yeah. after you do that. 
Like year. literally it's like a year that it takes, takes like you're not going to be sick for the whole year. No, but you but might. But your immune system is going to be compromised for a, I think it's like 12 months for real. Digestive system can be messed up. Uh, you maybe develop a random um, intolerance to a food. Like all of these things can happen. And like, I'm just a big fan. Movement is medicine. And when I say movement, I'm not saying like just physically. Gut like, movement. Gut, your gut, the, gut is your gut is moving? Yeah. That's if you if you're not going to the bathroom, you got something. You have something wrong. Yeah. With your digestive system, that's your body. That's your you're check absorbing. engine light. That's your check engine light flashing and saying like this is not right. If you're constipated, something's not right. And if you don't know how to fix it, get a coach. Hey, you are what you absorb. Oh, that's what you remember that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and if you're not going to the bathroom, guess what, guys? You're absorbing it. Yeah, yeah. back into your system and then that just then makes you, yeah. more toxins you're if you study the the lymphatic system it's honestly incredibly brilliant how our body gets rid of toxins and waste um and what our liver does and what our kidneys do like it's beautifully designed and we take advantage of it so much we no one ever talks about like i, I know back in college like oh my liver is gonna hurt tomorrow shit like that after like a night of drinking or something but like when it comes down to it, like you have to understand what's going on and why the lymphatic system is so important. If you're constantly, and, and I always talk about this, homeostasis, that's all it wants to find. If there is a toxin and it's not removing waste fast enough, you start to absorb that stuff. Mm. You start to absorb that waste. Mm. And when you absorb the waste, an imbalance of bacteria can have yep. can can go into your small intestine, which means you might not absorb things properly. It might fight off things, SIBO, yeah. um, all these things. And then, guys, like literally everything that you, every like dopamine, serotonin, ox, like everything is made in the gut. Nine, at least well, ninety percent. Did you of know? It. I'm sure you know this, but did you know that your gut is your second brain? Yeah, it is. So it's just as intelligent as your as your brain and your head. Um, so like taking care of your gut health is so important. And like all these fad things where it's like do this detox tea or whatever, whatever. Yeah. No, like you need to eat plants. Yeah, in my opinion, you need to drink. Too. You need to drink <laughs> juice because it's either you take vitamins that yeah. are like been sitting on the shelf for a year or you drink, like I have a juice right here from the weekly juicery. Like you're drinking fresh pressed juice that is micronutrients in your body straight to your system and going to clean out your gut. Yep. Thank you for listening to part one of this two part episode. Part two will be dropping this coming Monday at 5 a.m. Eastern time zone. Thank you guys again for listening. Peace out. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Views from the Sidelines podcast. If you found any part of this episode valuable, it would mean the most if you left a review below. If you thought of someone while listening, please share this to them so they can learn from us. I appreciate every single download I get because I know it's someone who is working on becoming the best version of themselves. Until next time, stay moving.